0: G'day everybody, on this week's episode I have the pleasure of speaking to a very special guest. My next guest has worked in the US entertainment industry for over a decade. He has had his hand at various roles working within the industry. Some of those roles include being an editor, a production manager, a producer, a supervising producer and even directing. He has worked on many high profile shows including but not limited to Without a Trace, Eli Stone, and to anyone who listens to this show, would know that I am possibly the world's biggest Scrubs fan. So he was on the the crew of Scrubs as well, and also the the current running comedy smash hit Ted Lasso. And to those who are fans of Scrubs, will know that the creator Bill Lawrence is also the co-creator of Ted Lasso alongside Jason Sudeikis and a few others. My next guest is also an award-winning producer from his work on various shows. He has received prestigious accolades. For his work from various countries including the venice film awards the pga awards and has received one of the highest honors one can receive in his field in the entertainment business my next guest has received an emmy award for his time as a supervising producer on ted lasso my previous guest jared Weissfilner, who did an episode with me about his time on scrubs was kind enough to introduce myself and my next guest ladies and gentlemen i'd like to introduce mr Kip Kroger, how are you going today, sir? I'm good, Mitch. How are you, man? Good, thank you. So, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I know it's long overdue, but, you know, obviously in the introduction that I've just done that you haven't heard yet, I've sort of listed some of your bona fides. And uh, congratulations on the, you know, recent absolute smorgasbord Emmys that you and the, the crew won on Ted Lasso. um just wanted to know whereabouts we find in the world at the moment.
1: Oh thanks so much man uh, I'm in Los Angeles uh, I'm sitting in my bedroom with the kids are outside they got out of school and so just sort of trying to find a quiet place around
0: here <laughs> yeah fair enough it's uh, it's what's probably what 10:05 a.m. here at the moment and uh, yeah it's about 3 p.m here. Oh, nice. They, they just decided it was a good time to mow their lawns next door so hopefully everything goes okay um, Classic. so uh, as I was just saying just before I hit record, I thought we could go over your career, some of the highlights, kind of like a timeline, starting with like how you got started in the entertainment biz and, um, you know, what some of your fandoms are and up to today, and like in some of your works, including like Scrubs and and Ted Lasso, of course, and, you know, things in the middle. And I was just wondering before we kick things off, like this helps me. um, It's a bit of an icebreaking tool. This podcast has two sections. It's about great storytelling, which I'm sure we'll get into shortly. But this first part, it's about having a good old wine or a wingy, we call it here in Australia. And I was wondering if you'd like to join me in having a bitchy with Mitchie this week. Oh, always happy. To, always happy to vent a little bit, man. More than welcome to go first if you like, or I can just something to get off your chest. I'll let to- you take I'll let you take the lead and see, oh. see see what we're triggering over here. Okay. So where I live, it's a place called Curry Curry. And um it's it's an absolute it's kind of like we call australian rednecks bogans and they are everywhere here it is absolute. it's kind of like going back in time in mad max or something like that it's ridiculous and sometimes you come across humans you just go wow are you serious and so I was at a gas station recently. We call them service stations here or servos. And I filled my car up. I, filled, I used pump number two. And as I've gone in to pay for my fuel, there was a little old lady in front of me. And with the roughest voice, she's saying to the attendant, excuse me, where's the toilet? And um, the attendant's pointing like it's near the entrance. You had to you physically walk past it. So I walked past this woman. Get to this guy, and he instinctively says the number of the pump out loud to whoever's approaching him. And he innocently looks at me and just says, "Number two And she's still an earshot. I'll never, I'll never forget this. She said, no as a matter of fact, you pervert, it's number one. What's it to you?" <laughs> 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 so, so my bitchy is this this soul crushing place I live. Oh, mate, it's it's you get some ruffies, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's and, um, awesome. Oh, it, we all giggled, and she—I don't think she realized how funny she actually was, and um. You know, she slammed the toilet door. I couldn't look at this guy without like keeping a straight face. <laughs> but so uh, you know, when you're just there, when I don't know if it's the right moment at the right time or wrong place at the wrong time. Either way, my bitchy was just my cheeks with that sore. You know, after that. And but anyway, Oh, I would have died. That, that, oh, that's priceless. Mate. You can't. You can't write something like that. That's that's <laughs> too fun. And uh, yeah, so things seemingly hap, seem to happen to me like that regularly. Um, there was another time when I was leaving work. So I'm a shift worker. I, I work in the mines and stuff. And they do the drug testing um, on the last toilet as you walk out, the first one you walk in. And just come off a 12-hour night shift. I'm tired as hell. I walk straight into the bathroom and I come back out. And the, the drug testing lady opens the door. She's, didn't you see the bloody sign? I'm like, no, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So embarrassingly started to walk out. And the guy who was going to actually get tested had the little plastic pea cut with him. And that was as he was walking in, as the door was closed, all you could hear. Was
1: oh fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, my mate, I was so embarrassed. So yeah, bitchy's also the brain letting me down when I'm tired. It was uh, it was a weird day, but we <laughs> got through it. <laughs> oh, that's a winner, oh. man.
1: I, you, you'll you'll appreciate this. I don't, I don't know how how bitchy it is, but it was it made me laugh in the in the spirit of people saying the right thing at the right time. You know we. Uh, <laughs> So for we just had Halloween, you know, about a couple weeks ago here, and uh, you know, I get two kids, they're ages four and six, right? So they're they're just sort of in that in that age where they, the younger one wanted to be a skeleton, and she and her, my wife dressed up as skeletons together, and the other one that wanted to be this um, superhero from a PBS um, show called uh, Word Girl or something. And so I was debating what to be, and we weren't we weren't going to really do anything trick or treating of the COVID crap, and they're still not didn't have their shots and all that kind of stuff so we're just going to do something here with a couple of their friends that were pretty quiet and so I decided to be her nemesis from her little PBS show (laughs) so I get my costume I was so excited because by the way the the name of this of the nemesis was Chuck the evil sandwich making guy so (laughs) apparently this is a very bad guy in the show and I thought he looked hilarious so I went and found a picture of him and I decided to be the nemesis I get all these pieces from the costume online and like this is going to be fun you know I'll do this and I get it all on. I walk out and she goes, dad, that's terrible. You don't look at all like Chuck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shut down, just right out of the gate. Kids are so honest. They're so brutal. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I've got quite a number of nephews and nieces. I'm not a dad myself, but uh, Christmas time last year, um, we had just sort of come out of the first lockdown. And, you know, I put on a few pounds, as you do. And I just, my, my nephew Jackson just looked at me and was like, Uncle Mitch man you got a you got a christmas belly and he's about five and as we're sitting down he's just rubbing my belly he's like you're turning into santa claus oh (laughs) 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 Oh. so great uh kids honesty i i envy them i envy just how sometimes they can just get away without using a filter even here like here in australia like you know we're supposed to pride ourselves on being straight shooters and um kids hey way of the future
1: (laughs) oh they do man with the uh the the other one that's been going on is the four year old lately has been going. She goes, "Daddy, I love you so much. I love mommy just a little bit more." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh. And that's been her thing. I love you this much, and I love mommy this much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's it's like the worst backhanded compliment you could possibly Oh, It's see. great.
1: It's great. And she and so genuine. It's it's intended with such such love and, and just she just
0: loves it it's does, great does your wife use it to be cheeky back to you she's like yeah oh, rights. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that's awesome so you know now that the bitchy's over i i i i feel like a little bit more relaxed now it's a good ice breaking tool so apologies oh, here, apologies if i came across as nervous but good to go so i thought we'll delve into you know your life before you sort of you're in hollywood and show beers and all that sort of thing so they can take your mind back to, you know, as the uh, youngest as you can remember. Do you remember the first thing that you were ever a fan of, whether it be a singer or a book or a show or something like that? Your first ever. Yeah, fan of? there was a
1: show when I was really little called, well, I mean, there's two of them. It was He Man. I was a huge He Man fan when I was really little. And uh, there was a show called Mask that I don't know if got traction anywhere else. It was only on the air for about a year um, in the early 80s here. And after that, uh, I kind of disappeared. Uh, it was never, and it was never one of the ones that turned anything big, but the toys were awesome. It was basically these guys that wore these helmets and they could, you know, do cool things with them or whatever. Um, those are the things I have the earliest memory of really being into.
0: Yeah. We, I never heard of mask, but you know, we had the V mask, the movie and um, later yeah, on. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. That's the only reference I've got to mask, but um, isn't it funny how you resonate with like things earlier on? That's why I do this podcast because I, I'm a fan of storytelling and um, I cast my mind back and I was into like um, anime and um, like a good, a good series. And obviously, well, I don't, you might not be aware, but Scrubs is my all time favorite show. It's it, for me, it was during my teenage years. And as it came out, um, it was, you know, it just resonated with me and my friend Brooksy and I, a lot like Turk and JD in many ways, you know, just a pair of questionable supposedly straight men and, (laughs) but um, so but we'll delve into that a bit later. So next question is, do you remember what the genesis of your entertainment career was and how did you ultimately get started?
1: Yeah, um I I'm not really sure, you know, I grew up look where when I was little we watched TV on the weekends. I didn't really get to watch TV during the weeks. Um, we were, we went to movies occasionally, but not that much. Uh, I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. Uh, my dad was a stomach doctor. And my mom was a teacher that then stayed home with us as we got older. And, um, you know, I um, I was always into TV. You know, I always loved watching TV and stuff like that. But I was never really aware of any way to do something with it. Um, you know, it just seems so far off, like North Carolina was a small town and, you know, I, I didn't know how to get there, what to do. So I ended up, yeah, I was really into, into computers and technology and all that kind of stuff. Like we got a, a computer when I was in middle school and I got excited taking that thing apart and putting it back together. And then, you know, I came, kind of became like a typical nineties kid that was good with computers, which meant, you know, I could turn it on and do the basic things that my parents were kind of like, Whoa, how do you do that? You know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. Then um as I got older, I I tried my hand at programming. And I thought I was gonna get into into computer engineering, computer science, you know, and and go and write code because I loved working with technology so much and all that. So I did that for a couple of summers and went to some programs and classes and camps and all this kind of stuff. Um and then I got uh I went to so after freshman year high school, I went to a boarding school up in Connecticut. Um, which was for, you know, supposed to be sort of high, uh, get you into good colleges and all that kind of stuff. So I went up and did a uh, did three years there. And while I was there, I met a friend that I did some stuff, some projects with at school. Like we, they had a sports publication and they would do some media stuff here, like, a you know, just sports shoots and stuff like that. And so I had fun playing around with that. I was like a school DJ. So I was having fun with that kind of stuff. And then I went to college. So from there, I went back to North Carolina and I got into computer science. So it was a, I got into the, the engineering school at North Carolina State. Uh, I did two years doing computer science and, and thinking I was sort of heading towards that path. And I kind of realized that I was not that good of a programmer. And I didn't really enjoy being locked in sort of a dark room, trying to figure out how to write code. It just did not get me excited. And so I had called up that buddy I met at boarding school. And I was like, hey, man, like, uh, do you know of any any way to use, you know, computers or tech in entertainment. Like that feels like a fun place to try and apply it if there was something. And I didn't know anything about it at that time. I didn't know about, you know, editing and, or visual effects or how any of that stuff worked or how to get into it. So I was really going off of what I could find from, you know, my friend here. And he's like, no, nah, I I got nothing. He's like, but if you want to start, you know, want to mess around with stuff again, like it was always fun in high school. We should, you know, try it again. And he was going to Notre Dame. So it was halfway across the country but we linked up for a summer. He came and stayed with me and we shot like a music video, you know, a couple of music videos. And we went and rented a bunch of equipment and made it up ourselves and kind of shot it on the fly. And just kind of, then I learned how to edit by playing with it. And I was having so much fun. Like it was at that point. And the, you asked what the, you know, when you kind of knew, and it was somewhere in there because what had happened was I had switched out of computer science. And was trying to figure out what I, what I was going to pursue. And we were shooting those music videos. And I've always been a little ADD. Like I've always kind of, my attention span doesn't last very long for just about any specific thing. And we were talking about, I was talking to my parents after we'd been doing a bunch of stuff for the, the production that day. And my mom saw me like not listen to what she was saying and immediately pivot back to a thought I had about something we were coming up with. And she clocked it. And she was like, I've never seen you this focused on something, Like usually you're more concerned with what's going on around you and what other people are doing But like, you're really paying a lot of attention to this. You really seem to care about it. I was like, yeah, it's, it's fun. Like we get to do all kinds of cool stuff now. So that kind of stuck in my head. And, um, After that summer, we made the music videos. The next summer, we decided to come to LA and get an internship. So he and I moved out here and got a little apartment and did that for a summer. And then we also, the same time, to give you the short version, we ended up discovering the school in Soweto, South Africa. And he had gone there at the beginning of the summer and seen it and called me at three in the morning. He's like, dude, we've got to go check this place out. We should make a documentary about it. The school's amazing. It's for... These amazing people, the woman that runs, it's incredible. The kids that come here are incredible. It's, it's just special. And it was three in the morning. I was like, oh, that's great, man. Let's just talk when you get back. Like, I'm going to go back to bed now. And so I went back to bed and he gets home and we made a trailer for it and started raising money for it and all this stuff. Now, he had grown up in the industry. His dad was a big executive and his mom was a big actress. And so we were deciding to, um, to go do this. And his parent, his dad was like, all right, all right, hold on. Before you're going to go to South Africa and do this whole thing, let's talk mm-hmm. about this. He's like, I think you should wait a year, you know, like you should think about this and all that. And he and I, and so we hung up the phone and we kind of thought about it all night and we called him back the next day. We're like, sorry, if you don't like it, but we're going to go anyways. He's like, all right. He's like, that's actually what I needed to hear. Cause I needed to know how committed you really were to it. Um, what we're going to do is I'm going to help, help fund this and, and help you guys put it together, um, you know, and, and give you some tools to get it done. <laughs> So the short version is we went over to South Africa. We basically finished our internships, got in the car, drove back across the country in 48 hours straight, uh, parked the car, hopped on a flight to South Africa. We spent 17 days there with me and him and his younger brother. We came back with about 55 hours of footage. And then we spent the next year and a half um, with him cutting it um, on Final Cut up in his dorm room in Notre Dame and sort of talking through what the story was going to be. And that was kind of leading into our senior year. And by then I had gotten into this sort of headspace of, all right, this is definitely what I want to do. I love doing this. I don't know. Like it's, this is definitely what I have to do in my life, but my parents were a little bit more of the, well, how's this going to work? What are you going to do? You know, how are you going to, how do you carve out a career? Like, what do you do? What, what what credentials do you need? How do you get, how do you get your foot in the door? How do you move up? Like, how do you, how is this not just a, a roll of the dice, you know, kind of thing. And I didn't have answers other than we were going to do it. And they were like, all right, all right. Well, you should think about another backup idea. You know, so I had grown up fascinated by what my dad did being in medicine. And I had enjoyed science all through school and everything. So I switched gears and made my major biology in case I was going to go pre-med. Yep. And and that became very very useful when I went into entertainment, of course. <laughs> so so I got my biology degree, and within two weeks of graduating, uh, we basically I graduated in December of '04. Got through the holidays, packed up my stuff, went up to see my buddy in Connecticut, loaded up his stuff, and we drove out and moved out here by February. Um, and that was February of '05, and I've been here ever since.
0: Yeah, nice. That's a, that's a, wow. That's a, that's quite the story. I'd like to see that, um, that documentary. It sounds awesome. Um, it's,
1: you know, it's, it's not a, it's not light watching. I mean, it's, it's, a, it was a school in Soweto for children at risk. Uh, this woman went and found these kids that had really didn't have much in the way of um, opportunities or, or really even knowing what they were going to do with their lives. And some of them had become criminals and some of them would become victims and she went and found all of them and brought them into the school and kind of tried to help show them how to, see there can be a future and what you can do with it and all that kind of stuff. And yep. it was an amazing experience, but it's, it's not a, uh, not a light, light viewing so <laughs> either.
0: It's, so it's kind of in the same sense of like, see spuriousy in terms of like um, the stuff that can show like the truth, factual information, some might deem as in your face kind of thing. Um, so yeah. Fair enough. Still it's interesting to learn about things in different parts of the world. So I'm, I'm curious like that. So, yeah. Um, and you know, I went after you drove out, uh, what was the first gig that you found yourselves in? When did you, What what got you to start after you graduated and, and drove out?
1: Um, so when we got here, we ended up um, getting a couple like day-playing PA jobs. And then you'll enjoy this because we were lucky enough by way of his family to have a sort of a secondary connection to Bill Lawrence.
0: Yep, you're speaking my language. <laughs>
1: this is where it gets fun. Um, so basically we we had the chance we we showed up um we showed up at scrubs one day and bill was kind enough to take a few minutes of his time even though we did not um really plan ahead as we should have or make an appointment as we should have or any of those things and um which i would not advise anyone to do cuz it's not the way to go about it but we were yeah. lucky enough that he was kind enough to s- still sit down with us for 5 minutes it was a rainy day at that scrubs hospital and he sat down and he's like hey he's like so what do you guys want to do and we're like we want to be producers and he's like all right are you writers or not writers because in tv you're kind of one or the other and i was like i'm not a writer man i was an engineering major for a couple of years i think i'm the other way he's like all right that's cool he goes look man if you want to do that uh i would have bought, my advice would be to do what my producing partner randall winston did okay he started in post he worked his way up he ran post on um, Spin City." And now he's my producing partner. He produces all my shows and he's one of the greatest humans alive. And I was like, you know what? That sounds awesome. And, uh, and he goes, all right, cool. Um, he goes, and, um, what are you guys doing right now? And I was like, we're just looking for PA jobs. He's like, all right, I've got a pilot coming up and I got two PA jobs if you want them. And I, I mean, like I said, I pretty much jumped across the desk. I was so excited. Um, I was like, absolutely. I'd love to. And so he's like, all right, cool. So I, you know, this, this is in February, the pilot shot probably, you know, a month later or something like that. Um, I showed up, I was a set PA on a pilot that never went anywhere, but I had so much fun. I mean, look, you've seen Scrubs, you know, the, you know, this sort of world that they've created and it's just, it's always a, you know, there's a no asshole policy. It's good people. They like doing what they're doing. They're not, they're not, you know, precious about, they know everybody knows we're making TV and they enjoy doing it. Um, this is not self-important jerks or any of that kind of stuff. And I had a blast on the pilot. I learned a lot in just a few weeks time. And we we were finishing up. It was the last couple of days. And I wandered in the production office and I saw Bill and I had just gotten an offer to go be a runner for this feature production company. And so I went up to him and I was like, Hey, I was like, do you have a second? And he's like, yeah, what's up? I was like, look, I, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for the job and the opportunity I've never had so much fun working on something and I would love to keep working with you guys as long as you keep me around. But I've got this opportunity to go be a runner at this production company. Like, I don't know what I should do. And he's like, no, you should. uh," He's like, look, man, I'm um, this is a pilot. I don't know where it's going to go. What's going to happen with it. Frankly, I don't have a job for you. Um, And so you should take what you can get. And if I get something, uh, we'll give you a call. It's like, Oh, great. I love that. Totally fine. I took this job and in my head, you know, I'm just new out here. I'm like, oh, it's a little feature production company. You guys have won Oscars. This is like, there's only like 10 people in the company. So, you know, I can get in here and show that I, I know how to do stuff and that I'm creative and I've got good ideas and they'll hear me and they'll listen to me and who knows what can happen. That was not what it was.
0: Oh, um,
1: it was awful. Uh, I hated pretty much every bit of the time I was there. It was, it was one of those places that, um, you ever seen swimming with sharks or heard of that movie? Mm, Yeah. It's, it was that kind of vibe, you know, it's sort of that old model and it was not the fun I was having in production or any of that kind of stuff. And so I did it for a minute. I, the, then I moved up to being an assistant there. I hated that and was really trying to figure out what I was doing. Um, and why I really wanted to do any of this because this didn't seem like a fun career. Yeah. And I got a call from scrubs and they said, Hey, we've got a post PA job if you want it. And I just about jumped through the phone. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm there. When can I start hung up the phone? I quit that day. Gave him my two weeks notice.
0: Never look back. It um, must've felt oh, pretty baller walking out of there. <laughs> oh, it, felt
1: it felt so good. And, and The thing about it was, I so I was I came in to start on Scrubs at the beginning of season five, so they had four seasons done before I, I ever even got there, yeah. Um, and that was when I kind of entered into what became my path and the world that's kind of defined most of the time I've been out here,
0: yeah. Nice, so I'll ask you about Scrubs um shortly, that's kind of the perfect transition. You're making my job very easy,
1: <laughs>
0: but just, just before that, I just wanted to ask you, like, as you were going forward, even up to this day. It would have been some massive influences for you both personally and professionally.
1: Uh, I mean, my parents were huge.
0: Um, you know, they were always very thoughtful and
1: encouraging and supportive. Even when, you know, even as they were saying to me, like, look, you need a backup plan and you need something to, to cover yourself here. It was not with a tone of you're crazy to do this. It was, you got to cover your bases. You got to be smart about this. You got to make sure you got a way to get it done. And I didn't have a way to get done. I just thought I was going to find a way once I got out there, which is great when you can do it, but it doesn't always work. You know?
0: Um, yeah, you're right though. Like I, I've started this podcast in the last 12 months and like, I've got a little gig in radio too, just sort of learning the buttons and learning the, the dials and stuff like that. And Mum's was similar in the fact that your parents said, like, I've never seen you so attentive. I've never seen you so enthusiastic. Because people could see the excitement levels in me. Oh, who's on the podcast this week? Oh, I got a story for you guys. Um, <laughs> and so you know, having that creative outlet, um, you know, as a fellow, as a man in the industry, and, and to anyone who's creative out there, like if you get a chance to scratch that itch and then do something that you thoroughly enjoy and to make a living off it. I mean, that's my ultimate goal. I would love to get a radio gig and or something like that. I like, in, I like entertaining. I love hosting events. I'm good at public speaking. I've, I've um hosted a, a number of weddings professionally as well. So I enjoy it, but you're exactly right. Um, and Mum's always like, well, make sure you still work. So I'm still in the mines, but hopefully working towards it. So yeah, I'm just green. Yeah. You I mean, I was,
1: that was very much the, um, the mentality is make sure that you are covering your bases, make sure that you're leaving yourself, you know, options, and being smart about it. Um, so it was a lot of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, um, uh, fair enough, man. That makes sense. So good on you for following your dreams and coming up. Trumps for you at the moment. How good. So I, <laughs> I I use that to transition into like I wanted to ask you a little bit about scrubbing. A few people asked me is like, well, how did you? What's the connective tissue here? if you cast your minds back a few months, I spoke to Jared and He was one of the production staff on the scrubs crew and uh, he was lucky. He was kind enough to, to introduce us. So Jared, if you are, if you do listen to this, thank you very much. I'm having the best time and I you always get to speak to people whose art I enjoy. So um, oh, thanks
1: Jared. Our Jared was great. He was there when he was there long before I ever got to scrubs.
0: Yeah, he was, I think he said he started in season two and uh, he said he was a bit of a jokester and he's, Nickname was hobby. um, And they're telling me some stories before I hit the record button. And uh, I just think, man, I'm in the wrong business. Hey, I, I don't mind mining, but it's, it's once again, it's similar to what you said. It's like, Oh, I, I want to do, be doing something I truly want, you know, mining is fine, but the 12 hour day and night shifts puts the body out of whack. And, you know, between that and the COVID pounds, it's, it's a short lifestyle. So anyways, I digress. No, you I just, hear you, man. I well, you kind of just answered my first question. My first question was like, How'd you get started and what were you some what were some of your roles there? But you sort of just answered that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I stumbled into post um, you know, kind of by chance and and somewhat by design. And it's proven to be great. I mean, I still largely work in post-production with with a little bit of work in production. And, you know, the the work that post like the thing was cool when I got in there as a PA, excuse me was as a PA, I was getting to see every cut that was put out. So I was seeing the show in all these iterations as a PA that didn't know anything more than other people that were much higher up on the show were were being exposed to, you know, And, and watching that creative process evolve was so interesting. And then I would get to do stuff like we would, I'd be sitting there with the editors and they would be like, oh, we got a new episode here. You know, if you want to watch it, come, we're going to watch it down. I'd sit in there and they'd be like, we got to find a song for the ending. So I'd go sit out there and go through my playlist and be like, hey, what about this song? And I get to pitch songs, you know, again, as a PA that I just showed up in town and I'm getting to to pitch songs. And every now and then a couple of them got on the air. And I recall my parents I'm like, you're never going to believe this. But this the show this week, the song at the end, I that was my pitch. Like I, they listened to me. That's cool. you're never going to believe it. And it was so fun. Um, some so those, stuff like that. Yeah.
0: That's well, some of those song choices were on point. Um, I remember one, for example, was the episode where Dr. Cox loses the three patients and how to save a life by the fray starts. Like, it's just like moments like that. And yeah, as I said, like I could go, I could speak to you hours on and about scrubs, but you know, I've got limited time and I won't fanboy too much. But um, so. Apart from being able to be involved in some of the creative process, are there any more awesome memories that spring to mind about your time on Scrubs or a funny story that goes with it?
1: Um, I mean, one of the ones that cracks me
0: up was Bill talks about, you know, one of the things
1: that they always did that was so neat and still do is they they love to empower all the department heads on the show to be creative and to kind of take ideas and, and run with them a little bit. And so there was this script um, where the janitor, um, you know, builds a sand, uh, builds a giant sandcastle. Great episode. Okay. <laughs> and they go, you know, in the script, it says, you know, he's standing there on top of his, his giant sandcastle drinking a cup of coffee. And that was what it said in the script. So Bill, they, the writers put it out and literally Bill like turns, comes in the back of Scrubs one day and turns a corner and slams on his brakes as he's face to face with a two story sandcastle he's like what in the where did this come from <laughs> whose idea was this and they're like that was what you wrote wasn't it and he's like oh sure <laughs> why not that sounds great and it was always things there was always fun surprises i mean there was the the one where um you know where jd falls in the puddle and then pops out you know oh, on the other end.
0: That, it's one of the, one of the funniest moments in my opinion of the whole oh, season I mean,
1: And they, they literally like blew up part of the parking lot to make it. And it was such a fun (laughs) gag to put together. Um, So that was, I think that was, that was the kind of stuff. The other one that made me, that always makes me laugh. And it gives you an idea of, again, like the type of people, this is not a group of people that are pretentious, you know, or too caught up on themselves. My first year there, the writers showed up um, and this is season five. got a bunch of writers that are, you know, top level writers. They have development deals, all this stuff. They show up and um, they're down in the writer's room, which used to be the psych ward of the hospitals. I'm sure you've heard. And they go over to the couch and like the cushions popped up. And one of them like hits it with his leg to push it under. And he turns and he looks back and it popped up again. It's like, what? what's going on? He takes the cushion out. And there's a possum in the couch looking up at him. <laughs> <laughs> what <are> the odds? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that play, I mean, the hospital was fun. It was pretty gross too. Um, we had rats running around, all kinds of stuff. That place was just old and, and kind of gross. But nobody ever bothered us. It was our own playground the whole time.
0: That's cool. How old do you reckon it was by the time you sort of took it over?
1: Uh, I mean, geez, man. I, there was. I would. I was cleaning up the office when I first arrived there because we had like an, We were in like one of the admin offices or something, and there was a bunch of paperwork from the early '80s. So I have no idea how old that hospital actually was.
0: Ooh. Getting sort of haunted, sort of vibes. Maybe I wouldn't <laughs> be
1: surprised.
0: Ah, fair enough. So, is there from all the staff and all the crew and everyone that was on the show of Scrubs in your time, is there someone that was surprising, that was surprisingly funny or extremely kind that you were blown away by? The
1: kindness was. I mean, the kindness and the funny were, were really widespread. Um, I mean, I one of my favorite people, um, you know, may rest in peace, was Sam Lloyd, and just one of the. The funniest, sweetest people you'll ever meet. Um, you know, the writers were all fantastically funny people. Randall Winston, who produced the show, uh, became my mentor, thanks to, you know, Bill kind of introducing me to him and him like I said being the greatest person in the world he ended up he's he's brought me along and kind of shown me how he's done things for years he ended up marrying my wife and I um oh wow just a wonderful human being
0: so he's not only just a like a professional friend but he's also like that involved in your life that's awesome wow yeah yeah
1: just a, a amazing human being
0: oh uh, yeah wow I see this is exactly why I ask people like you to come on because it's cool stories like that oh, I love hearing so well here's this is
1: fun here's the fun thing man is because of the way that bill and randall ran that show and the way that they've always because i still i mean as you know i still work with bill now like the the themes that have always gone with everything that i've done with him and with randall together and separately have been sort of of a mentorship bringing people along and creating a great great place to work and a great place to be and stuff like that i mean We, while I was there, we started bringing in interns to work in post-production. So they would be like, if somebody would come out and need a semester of credit. And so they would basically work for free and file stuff for us, whatever. But two of the guys that were interns for us, um, later became good friends of mine. One of them is an editor on the show Legacies now. The other is a post-producer on Kaminsky Method and a couple other shows. Both of them were my roommates for a couple of years uh, we're both in my wedding, uh, you know, the, and all of that because they came out and were interns with us when they first showed up in town. So it's it's always been a cool, loyal world of, of you know, getting the chance to work with the same people again and bringing good people into the universe. and and you know keeping that sort of family
0: vibe so yeah well that was you've done it again that's also a perfect transition to what i was going to ask you next so i read um, your notes it's all good <laughs> oh, you were absolutely on fire um so and, you know it is long over to you but thank you for contributing to my favorite show of all time and millions of people's favorite show of all time um actually there's a there's a fan page called fake doctors real friends which many listeners are aware it's the scrubs rewatch podcast group anyways um so i appeared on that show i was the aussie guy who wore a scrubs onesie on tv and and they that sort of went viral and i appeared on their show i had um, zach and donald laughing a fair bit that's how i met jared and um you know so thank you for all that you've done over your season five tonight so it's that five years there um so good on you man i I appreciate that very much and
1: oh man i was just lucky to be around for it you know
0: right place at the right time just like just like the, that old lady at the service station oh exactly what, what an absolute palooka she is um and then you know then you transition on to like you've done many things you've been on without a trace and you've been on so many things in between but then you go on to what is now seemingly the bloodiest show on the planet and it's and congratulations on the third season being renewed for ted lasso and oh, thanks man! Um, the show has won just about every award under the sun and um i'll speak to you about you know, your, some of your bona fides in a little while, but um, so after you transitioned from Scrubs onwards to Ted Lasso, did did Ted just, oh, sorry, did Bill just ring you up and go, Hey man, I want you to come with me to do this new project that we work on. So how did you originally get started on Ted Lasso?
1: Um, so I came back, so I had bounced from show to show uh, after I left Scrubs. I, I left for a few years from Bill's world and worked on a handful of other shows uh, I moved up to sort of running the post department as a producer. And I got a call from a buddy that was running posts for Bill on, on the show called Undatable. And he was like, yeah, I gotta, I'm going to go take the studio job. Uh, do you want to come over and take over? Cause you already know Bill's way and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I'd love to, I'd love, sounds great. So I came over and took over from that. And then once I took back over um, post on undateable, I just never really left. Um, I did undateable and then another pilot and then, show called Life Sentence and another couple pilots. And um, then we did Whiskey Cavalier and and then Ted Lasso came. So it was really, it was one of these things where I would just, we would always be doing one show and I'd be checking in with Bill and uh, his producing partner, Jeff Ingold and going, you know, what's, what do you guys got next in development? Like what's, what does it look like? It's going to be coming around the pipe, you know, around the corner here and what are we going to be doing next? And we were doing whiskey cavalier which was being shot in Prague, and bill had been developing the show with jason and they were like yeah this ted lasso thing looks like it's gonna happen we sold it to apple um you know it's probably gonna start you know next year uh and i had been like i said i'd just been kind of going from show to show with them running all their post production for everything and so it was the next show up pretty much um it wasn't it wasn't sort of out of the blue or anything like that. It was just the, you know, what they had been working on most recently.
0: Yeah. Nice. So being rewarded, being consistent, and they kept you around. That's awesome. Yeah. So what are the, what are some of the differences between working with a streaming network like Apple plus, as opposed to a network show?
1: Um, Well, especially for post-production, it's when we have to deliver the show. You know, I I was working on, I mean, even whiskey Cavalier, which was like an hour long action comedy we did. uh, And I could deliver that. in in a pinch, maybe two to 48 hours before it aired. Apple wants it 12 weeks before it airs. Um, And that that's a game changer when you're dealing with um,
0: some very gifted procrastinators. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) So, you know, being, being based in the U S and obviously the show, for those of you who haven't seen it and I hate you haven't, it's a, it's about a, a gridiron football coach who, Flies over with one of his buddies, another coach friend, and they go and coach English football or soccer, and um, it's one of the funniest shows you'll ever see. Plus, not only am I a fan because it's hilarious, but it gets you in the feels. You, you, I found myself crying. I found myself hopeful. Like. Uh, Sam Sam Obisawa, or sorry if I pronounce his name he's the character Abisanya, yeah' Obisanya, sorry he's the character that I've resonated with the most and I'm like you get Rebecca champion you go 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 and um uh, just just the powerful writing especially in uh in the towards the end of season two there like the penultimate episode uh when you know Jason stakers is fantastic in amongst everyone but uh, when he delivers the speech to uh this the counselor lady, and um, opens up about what happened to his dad. Like I was in tears; I could not help it. Um So please, everyone, get amongst it. It is the, it is a, a fantastic television. Sorry, I digress. I'm sorry. No, um, thank
1: you so much. But you know, look, I got to tell you, just to, not to interrupt, but it is the cool, like the coolest part about working on a show like this is when you hear that it actually connects with people. Um I mean, I, look, I'm not I'm not writing the show, I'm not acting in it, but. To be, to be a part of, of putting it together and, and getting this out there and hearing people, you know, really relate to moments and relate to the characters and their journey and stuff. It's neat to be a part of something that people connect with, especially in a world where we're, a, we're not feeling very connected these days, you know.
0: Absolutely. And there was actually one episode I felt really connected because Australian and English, uh, like lifestyles, you know, we go to the pub, we curse all the time. It's very similar and I lived in Liverpool for 12 months. I moved over there in circa 2016, and uh, you know they had the they had the, the episode there where they had the night out and like I was like I've been to that bar, I've been there before, and um, oh, it just resonated with me very much. So I got my question is being you know based in the US, what kind of obstacles or challenges do you face on a show which is shot in England? Like do you do they fly you out during filming, or are you do you have to relocate during the seasons, or how does it work? So,
1: limits. yeah, I
0: mean, again, like running post production gives me a little
1: bit of a, a unique um, role in all of it, because uh, post is always based here in L.A., because it's it's kind of like the writers. The writers tend to be based in L.A., post is based in L.A., and then they'll shoot it wherever they got to shoot it. So everything ends up back here. You know, we've got, uh, you know, one of the cool things, again, you know, it's funny you call back to the whole thing I said at the beginning about always being into tech, you know, post-production actually was that niche in a way that lets me take advantage of my tech interests and work in entertainment. So I work with our post houses to come up with all these sort of new, newfangled ways to get things done that are more efficient, allow us to do things all over the world and and do it easily and efficiently. And for a number we can afford for TV and all that kind of stuff. So that's always fun for me to play with. Um, In season one, I went over there when they shot the football because I was the one that had kind of been figuring it out like there was not really much of a plan we had one of our directors who'd been around all season direct the stuff but there was no real plan for how it was going to fit into the show other than here's the sequence this is what it is you guys figured out and so we started wading through the script and trying to figure out how it would intercut and how you'd shoot it and what it would look like and then they were like, oh, we're going to shoot it at Crystal Palace, which was our home field, you know, and we'll shoot it there. And then you should have put people in the stands we're like, oh, OK, that's cool. And the dates kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And then at the end, they're like, oh, no, 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 we can't shoot there after all. Uh, we're going to shoot this out in some field in the middle of nowhere. And you are have to do all of it in the effects. And Oof, we're like, OK, okay. Uh, if that's what it's got to be, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so, you know, the challenges look, the, the time difference becomes a challenge um, because you're always, you know. Things that is things that are convenient for everybody in the UK is is usually super early here in the morning, uh, just by nature of how it works. My phone goes off all hours of the night and the day when I'm, you know, when we're in season, and that's just what it is. Um, but with Zoom and everyone being comfortable with that, you do find ways to get comfortable with everybody and get to know everybody. But there's still nothing as good as seeing somebody in person and connecting with them like that. When I went over season one and got to meet people face to face it made a massive difference just in making things smoother when we were trying to connect, you know, virtually later. So I, I think ultimately it's, it, you just miss out on some of that is really what it is.
0: Yeah. It's that human interaction. Like it's, it's been able to, you know, well, time's gone past, shake someone's hand and to see someone work their craft. Like that's, I've missed that very much as well in terms of just seeing people I love, you know, and um, yeah. so good on you for, thanks for being so honest about things as well. You're very generous with your time. Um, so next question is the amount of care with the writing and production takes with the references continuity and foreshadowing with, with all the creation going on how meticulous is it whilst it's being created very like, yeah yeah Jason look
1: you know Bill runs the show with Jason um, but much of this really is Jason I mean Jason has these very deep backstories for all of the characters that are far deeper than in what you're seeing on the screen and he can he can talk through them with any of the cast at any given time. You know the references he's making are all usually intentionally grounded in something for a reason, and there's a lot of thought put into those. I think in a lot of the conversations in the writers' room prior to the actual writing, and so they they weave those things in and out um, throughout the show. But it is it is very intentional and very much a part of i think their writing process
0: and how does this show compare to some others you've worked on do you think uh, in what way for example like you said you've got different challenges in terms of like working overseas and stuff so like in terms of like some of the people you get to work with in terms of stuff that you've learnt, are there some key differences of and comparative comparisons you could say say as opposed to scrubs if that makes sense
1: yeah um you know As with anything, like we were talking about the proximity to people always makes a difference. You know, if if I'm working on a, on a multicam show, like ahead of the class or undateable or any of the other ones I've done, you know, you can walk over to the stage, stand there while they're shooting something, talk about it, figure out a problem, go back to your office and then keep working. It's not like that when there's an eight hour time difference and, you know, people just separated by such distance um so the ability to communicate about things is a little trickier uh you have to be more intentional about it you also have to be more trusting um there's a lot more i think when you're doing stuff like this there's a lot more trust That's like look you guys are doing your part and we're doing our part and we're going to work with what you give us and then we'll talk about it if there's a problem so that's i think part of it as well
0: yeah um, and i would imagine that you know since the pandemic struck it's um it's caused a lot of people to get creative and come up with different ways and means to go about Making the content. um Oh yeah, So yeah. Well, that that probably goes without saying. Yeah, we were in the middle
1: of, of post on season one when lockdown hit, and we went fully virtual um right away. And so editing went from being in, in an edit bay to being fully virtual, which we were already beginning to migrate towards in some cases. But now it's that way one hundred percent of the time.
0: Yep, and I think a lot of the people in my life, um, they they now work from home because you know their roles require them to still be at a computer, but a lot of people going forward will probably that'll probably be the way it is from now on. Do you think that COVID has changed the entertainment industry and the way production is done? Say, so? right? Like, oh yeah,
1: yeah. I think that we look in the best case. I think we will um, open up a world of um, of like a hybrid type of situation where. Look for me with two little kids the silver lining of this last year and a half has been that i've gotten to spend more time with them than i ever would have imagined uh, especially at this age which you just you know just disappears um, that's awesome and that's been incredible yep. the flip side is i have been confined to my bedroom for days on end trying to work through some you know some of the bigger challenges i've tried probably tried you know faced in the recent years so it's a combination of there's there's a little bit of both and i think in an ideal situation you're able to do a couple of days a week from home, you know, go in for a couple of days a week and, and structure things so that you're in and around people when it makes sense and when it helps the situation, when it helps the process. And when you don't need to be, you can be conveniently at home with your family and, you know, and make more time for life a little bit. So that's, that's what I would hope we end up with, but who knows where it'll actually go.
0: It's a it's a very changing times for us all. That's who knows, but going forward, I, I I'm excited to hear you know what's going to come up next. So, yeah. Um, and you spoke a bit before about old worlds meeting new worlds, like colliding. So Zach Braff, for those of you who are unaware, the guy who played Jayden Scrubs, actually come out to the set of Ted Lasso when he was he was a director, um, for an episode in season one, I believe it was. Um, what was it like? What do you or have you heard stories of like what it was like to have old cast members return? to do their thing like what are some of the uh, stories that you've heard about like having ex-scrub members come and work on ted lasso
1: well you know Bill, like i mentioned earlier you know bill's always been very loyal um he and randall both and so you know it's not a surprise if you're on one of bill's shows to see some of what we call the you know some of the family show up um like the guy that created undateable with bill adam stekiel is a brilliant writer uh and a great guy and they had him show up and write an episode of Whiskey Cavalier as a guest writer, you know, because he, he's great. And they loved having him around, you know, all of a sudden he um, I don't think he didn't do anything with Ted Lasso, but he is one of the writers on one of Bill's upcoming shows, you know? And so it's not a surprise when you see directors or writers or even cast that we've had. I mean, we had on Whiskey on Life Sentence, that Lucy Hale show, the guy that played the dad, I think Dylan Walsh, um was fine he was a great he did a beautiful job playing her dad on the show and towards the end of the season we were getting ready to do the pilot for whiskey cavalier and we were casting the nemesis like, like the big bad guy and they offered it to him and he went over and just killed it and was amazing and it was like literally he'd gone from playing the the, the nice goofy kind of dad to the dark you know the darkest character on the show and it was again it was just someone that was in the universe and in the family that was like oh wow he'd be perfect for this um you know donald's resurfaced in in different shows and different roles and zach's directed all kinds of episodes of different shows along the way like the, it's always nice to see the friendly
0: faces that's awesome yeah i even you know say on scrubs like you had people from Sin City come on, like Michael J. Fox and, you know, some of the other cast members. So uh, Bill sounds like a terrific guy. So I asked this question to Jared too because, you know, I don't think, I personally don't think that people who are behind the camera or doing the post work get enough credit. So so what is a piece of knowledge or trivia that you knew or a mystery that you, you wish people knew about working in behind the scene? Like, is there a common question that you get asked all the time that you're sick of answering or is like a...
1: Not especially. The funnest part for me, to be honest, is surprising people by stuff that they didn't expect. The biggest one in the the recent time for me is with Ted Lasso. We did a panel for South by Southwest. And when we talked about doing the... All right. So one of the coolest parts for me when it comes to what people don't realize is we did the South by Southwest panel talking about post-production on Ted Lasso it came out like we finally talked about the fact that all of the football in the show was all visual effects that there was an intention to do it you know it at crystal palace but it didn't work out and so we had to pivot out of necessity and build the entire thing in cgi and then season two we brought in a sports director and took that even a step further and the, that revelation surprised people so much that it's been fun to hear people respond to it because, like I said on that panel, like if we've done our job well, that is a surprise. You don't anticipate that or think it's coming. And you watch the show feeling like you're in the stadium and feeling like you're in the middle of it all. And so the, the best sign of success, as it is with all visual effects, is that no one is bringing it up? You know, no one's citing it as being cool because unless you're doing a, a sci-fi type show, most of our work you want to fly under the radar. Mm-hmm. The the sound design of the stadium that got our uh, sound mixers an Emmy. You know the the way in season two um, our editor and music editor worked together to cut that um, sequence to she's you know to Rainbow for the Rolling Stones. Yeah. That song is like four and a half minutes long, but that section of the show is over seven minutes. And they had, we had to get special approval from the Rolling Stones to allow us to edit the song the way we did. But our music editor had done such an artful job with it and worked so hand in hand with the picture editor to make the, some of the lyrics of the song fall on certain images so carefully that when it all got, you know, requested, they approved it and let us do it and get watching that kind of stuff come together is always really exciting.
0: It's, it's pitch perfect. I mean, I honestly, I'm, I was shocked. I didn't realize that it was all CG. So I see, there you go. See, ladies and gentlemen is the power, power of what computers can do. Oh, wow. It um, is, man. And as I mentioned it before, congratulations on winning an Emmy. And um, if you, if anyone in the entertainment industry follows this, they'll realize just how successful, Ted Lasso is winning just about every category that there is. But, you know, for you, um, from your perspective, how was it seeing your work being recognized and winning all these awards plus winning one yourself? Like that must have been a pretty special, special time.
1: It was crazy. I mean, the whole thing is surreal, man. I got to be honest. I mean, you know, Bill had a great, a great joke during the middle of all the award stuff because you never, you never know how to react to this stuff. And he goes, look, awards don't mean anything unless you win and then they mean a whole lot. And it really, it sums it up pretty well because you can't, you can't put all the stock in that. You can't put the value of what you're doing or how much, what the work is in the awards of it all. Because I've been working in this for 15 years and never been anywhere near, you know, getting awards for shows I've worked on. and. You know, Bill and these other guys have worked in there far longer and, and been up against stuff. So you can't put the value of it in there. But then when you do get nominated and you do win, it's it's mind bending. I mean, I I was saying to um, to somebody the other day, you know, we would sit my wife and I would sit and watch the Emmys each year. And be and Like oh, one of these days I, w- I would love to go to the Emmys and just actually be there and see what it's like. And, you know, maybe it would be for a show that I could work on. That would be really cool. And I was I said that last year. You know, as recently as last year, I was sitting there watching the Emmys being like, that would be so cool someday. Yeah, And to then have it happen this year for that show with the way, you know, that all unraveled and came about and then to go there and be in the room and, you know, post COVID in a weird sort of situation with the limited attendance and everything else. And then to actually win on top of it with a bunch of our people there, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was everything, you know, you, you kind of imagined that you, would, you could possibly get to do. Um, it, was, it was crazy.
0: And I suppose also that, um, you know, being in a post-COVID world and having limited numbers, it'll probably make it feel all the more, all the more special because, you know, you were part of this select group of people. And so congratulations. I, it's, you guys are absolutely top of your craft there. And I can't wait to see what happens next, personally.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Neither can I. I mean, they're writing it right now. So who knows where we're going to go with it?
0: <laughs> stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. And, nice. um, you know, you are insanely talented and extremely prolific. And you've seemingly spun many plates in your time in the entertainment industry. Um, one of the questions I like to ask everyone, if there are, you know, I've spoken to comedians, musicians here in Australia, uh, broadcasters. What do you think the winning equation is to stay successful, to, to, to have that long je- jeopardy sort of career? Do you think, what, do you, what is your take on that?
1: Um, you know, I worked with a producer who told me that he always assumed it could all just disappear. And he operated from a place of this could be, you know, after this show, uh, who knows if anyone's going to hire me. And so I, I always try and have a, um, have my head looking a little bit down the field to see what's coming next. And you know and then it's also all about the people i mean everything comes down to the people you work with the people you work for how you are to the people that work for you and and kind of balancing all that and and getting to to kind of make the most of the situation for everybody you know you want to work with you want to work with good people and that so you got to be good people to work with the good people and you got to try and treat everybody sort of with with respect and you know, and embrace kind of the collaborative process and try and keep perspective on all of it. I don't, I, you know, it's, it, it, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I love doing this. It feels like the best summer job I've ever had. And I still have it, you know, and as long as I can keep the summer job going, I don't have to go back to school in the fall. That's kind of how I look at it. <laughs> that's you
0: a nice way to put it actually.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how I feel about all of it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, if they're, if people are willing to pay me to do this, um, then somehow I've slipped one by everybody, you know, and to then be able to take it and actually have a career out of it and get to collaborate with people I actually want to hang around and want to be around and want to come up with stuff and then get to sit and brainstorm and throw out creative ideas that may, you know, in some way get used is just really fun. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: So, you know, I, I, um, I, I resonate with so much you just said, because, you know, for people that actually genuinely follow their true passions and are succeeding at it, I know it's a very small market to get in there. Um, but once you're in and making it work, like that's what, that's what my true fandom comes from. It's the stories, behind the stories that are being told that sort of makes sense and like you know uh, it was interesting speaking to there's a broadcast here i'm a fan of named alex dyson he was on last week and he's a famous podcaster and stuff down here and just like sharing stories of i am man. so this is what i love and i always like entertaining he's a comedian and, and and it's very similar to what you just said you know you you get to have that that summer job and i don't want to go back to school in the fall and so I, I i give you the the biggest kudos i can offer man because it is genuinely nice to hear with all the art that's being made um, and there's a genuine passion behind it so you, it gives me confidence knowing as a consumer that the right people are creating this stuff if that makes sense
1: yeah man that, that's very i'm very flattered uh, i appreciate it you know it's it's fun to get to do this stuff um and it's fun that people really you know enjoy watching it uh you get you throw a lot of stuff out there and it's, it's always hit or miss. Um, yep. So it's, it's cool that people are enjoying it.
0: And if say if anyone like me or someone else who might be listening to this is interested in maybe showing their hand or having a crack at being in the entertainment business, whatever the role might be, is there any advice you could or any wisdom you could impart on to say the next generation?
1: Uh, the I guess the couple of the biggest things, you know, one thing that Bill said when I first showed up in LA that, I, that stuck with me was he said, find your class, find people, around you know whether it's your age or the fact or where they are in their career that's similar to you they're just getting into it like you are and you're going to grow together and try and try and do things with these people you know this is whether you know if you're a producer and there's a writer and you guys together go find a director and make some make some projects if you're friends with a publicist you know that person may grow into the public you know publicity and marketing world when you actually have something that needs marketing, you know, or, or same thing with lawyer friends. Like it's the same idea. It, it's the same idea people throw out with networking, but it was, it was more specific to recognizing that you actually have, in a weird way, a cool advantage to being new at it, and that there's a bunch of other hungry new people out there. And if you can find one another, you can grow together and you can take risks together and you can do things together and see what comes of it. And that's really fun. Um, and then that feeds into the other part of it, which I think it, it still comes back to the people, you know, it, it always comes back to who you want to spend 12 hours a day hunker down with, you know, whether we're doing long edit sessions going late into the night or the writers are rewriting a script overnight and pulling an all nighter yep. or the cast is, you know, you're on set and you're hitting hour 14 to get something because you don't have a location the next day you just have to get it done. You're going to spend a lot of time with these people that you work in this business with. It's just the nature of this business. And so finding people you enjoy spending that much time with makes a massive difference in your quality of life.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I was, I think I heard of something similar as well. It's like, if you're going to spend, I think collectively it works out. The average person's career is about a third of their life, you know, so you're going to spend 33% of your time on this earth working, do it with people, that you enjoy being around. And I also heard another sort of wise quote. Um, a guy told me, he's like, look at people like icebergs, you know, on the surface, you might see 5% of what's going on. So it's really important in my opinion, to be kind to people. And then you never know later on in life, they might show up and go, Hey man, you were really kind to me that time. Let me buy you a beer or something. I think, you know, it, that's a powerful thing. Like it's kindness and being awesome and being active, actively listened to if someone's idea is okay then see what they have to say that's all that's just in my opinion i suppose
1: i think you're right on man and you look i mean uh jason and the writers wrote it into the script um for ted lasso the idea of being curious and not judgmental you know and the idea of approaching people from a place of curiosity before you're making assumptions uh i think you know and i've and it's funny you you work on projects you work on different things and you try and take little things away from them you know and that's one of the things that being a part of this show you know we've tried to, i think so many of us that work on it you know end up talking about this stuff and being like yeah i tried to do that in my life a little bit for a change you know it's it's cool it's 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 good good guidance for all of us i think
0: yeah, no, that's that's fair enough, man. Uh, so, what for you? What's what's next? You got any interesting projects coming up that you can talk about, or a lot of secrecy happening next year? Or,
1: um, you know, look, it's going to be a busy year. Bill's got um, he's got two other shows going into production. Uh, one's shooting down the Florida Keys, Another one's going to be here in the state over here in LA. Uh, Ted Lasso is going into season three, um, so there's a lot going on there. Uh, I'm also helping a a writer friend finish a, a small feature that they raised money and shot recently so that's sort of been fun um just trying to stay busy and frankly i am in a period right now where i'm in a little bit of a lull which i haven't had in a couple of years so it's been it's been kind of nice to just hang out with the kids and yeah you know just sort of just sit in it for a minute which is a rare thing for me
0: going into christmas i suppose that's exactly what you want hey just to just to ease down a little bit and
1: yeah yeah it's not not a not a position i've been in at this time of year in
0: a long time Fair enough. Is it is it common? One thing I've always wanted to know is like you know you, you say you've got a lot of projects happening at once. Is that common? Like to work on you know this and this and this. Or how do you sometimes, find time? Um, um, sometimes
1: you know I I grew up with my uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, um, literally got brought in by the IRS um, when he was he was teaching during the day, teaching high school, going to night school uh, to get his college degree and then working a printing press in the on the graveyard shift for years. Yeah. And the IRS brought him in and they're like, what you're saying you're doing is not possible. And he's like,
0: okay,
1: he laughed. He goes, I don't have time for this. Like, this is, yes, I'm doing it all. And that's why I don't have time to be sitting in your office right now. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, my, um, my dad, when I was growing up, would leave the house at six in the morning. And it's funny, I did an interview with a radio station back home. And they were saying that he was known... For having a waiting room full of 20 people um, at seven in the morning and literally getting through the entire queue of them by lunchtime and was known for this sort of hyper-efficiency in getting things done. Um, my mom was always hyper-organized. And the funny part of telling you all that is me being very ADD and bit of a procrastinator, I never picked up on any of that growing up. It was It was just deeply buried, I think, in my sort of uh, DNA probably. And in the last, you know, 10 years, it's kind of come out of me. And now at this point, like I, I've kind of absorbed, I think a lot of the things I absorbed from them growing up is kind of manifested into how I have to manage my day to day. And, uh, it's, it also comes from just working with, again, working with good people. You know, I've, I've been really proud of the teams I've been able to put together on the different shows Um, most of my post supervisors who are my number twos, I've been able to get promoted to run their own departments on a multitude of shows. And that always makes me feel good because it means we we're doing something right. You know, it means that the process we're going about, you know, I'm setting them up to take it off, take it and run with it for themselves. And so that's, uh, that's a big part of it, you know, is working with good people like, you know, Bill and those guys above me that, you know, trust us to do stuff and then putting together great teams of people that can kill it and, uh, and kind of managing it all in the middle.
0: Yeah. A lot of personal satisfaction as well. That's awesome to hear. I think similar for me, like my dad has always been sort of quite entrepreneurial. And as a kid, I was an introverted sort of anxious kid. There's elements of ADD in there somewhere for me as well. And, you know, in the last sort of two to three years, um, all of a sudden, I just wasn't shy anymore, and finding this version of myself speaking to supervising producers, producers from uh, from Hollywood, it's like if you had a talk to talk spoken to me a year ago, there was no way I would have thought about doing this. But I've got to meet people like yourself. I've got to meet Zach and Don, I've got to meet Australian broadcasters, comedian. Like it's and it's funny. Like I say this to people who ask me about the podcast. Like a big, my cheeks are sort of smiling about it. But it's I always sort of go like, do it feels good. I mean. If you have that creative idea or if you have that desire, burning desire to do something, let humanity benefit from it. Like that idea might be all the difference. And you know, there's no point taking it's, it's morbid, but there's no point taking the best ideas to the graveyard, like here for a limited time. So why not make it work in my opinion? But sorry to make it sound a bit morbid there. But no, it's great, man. By the way,
1: you know, you don't you, you seem so comfortable doing it it's really cool. Thank you. Um, and, and it's also, I'm with you, like, you can't be afraid to fail either. You know, you yeah. got to go into it knowing that if it's, if it stinks, it stinks and you just try again, you know, it's the only way you're going to get better at
0: it. And that's right. Well, recently I, um, I got a new mining career. So I worked at a, at a mine that was probably 40 miles from here and I got a job closer to home for a higher wage. Um, so I was like, cool, this is great. I was there for a month. I was like, this isn't, sort of vibing with the way i'm used to it so i took i took i i I resigned because it's like you know the more i do this the less i want to work i know i still need to get by and stuff but you just you start to get confident in ways you didn't know you could and i never thought i would have walked out on a position such as that because it paid a lot more and stuff but anyways yeah so i i did that and do i regret it no i don't because i know i now know that i want to focus on a a day a day work role as opposed to doing the nights and days and sort of going through it like that and i just want to be happier and that'll help me achieve this so anyways i digress um that's great
1: and that's you know what it's not a digression that's right in the pocket of what all this is about
0: and it's funny how a little podcast little coal miner from curry curry can come up with a sneaky little podcast called life Some mitch and have it a little whinge about old ladies at a gas station <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. i've come a long way but um look kip i just wanted to say thanks man i'll, I'll wrap things up there shortly but like can I give shout outs to someone who is the biggest Ted Lasso fan in the entire world? Really yeah. quick, so Mr. Leon Safel. He, um, I would he's, he's he could probably write the Ted Lasso wiki, he's a huge Scrubs fan. I met him through the um time I appeared on Fake Doctors, and him and I have sparked up a friendship. Like many people have submitted these questions today. Um, but Leon was just like, was giving me, it's like, ask him this, and he'd give me a. Like a massive long paragraph is ask him this. And he was really excited to to hear this. So I have to give credit to Leon. He's he um he sees your work and he he is an absolute supercomputer. It is impressive. Ah, oh, well thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Leon. I appreciate you checking it all out, man. That's awesome. Thanks for being so kind. But thanks for coming on today, man. I really appreciate your time and going forward. You know, I wish you all the best. And uh I hope our paths cross again sometime. Me too, Mitch. Thank you so much for having me on, man. This has been so fun. It's so nice to
1: meet you. I would heard heard about you from Jared and I was so excited when you, uh, when you asked me to be on the podcast. This is, this is just really cool. And uh, yes, definitely stay in touch. You know, hopefully we can get a chance to do it again with some more more exciting stuff down the road.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I intend to keep in touch with you and, and stuff, man. So, um, you know, from, from uh, me today, thank you for coming on and I'll see you all in the next one. Bye for now. And as always, guys, thanks for listening. And if anyone wants to be involved in the show uh, or wants to come on and share their stories uh, www.lifesimitchpodcast.com or one word hit the email icon and submit your stories or interact with me on any of the socials Facebook, Twitter, Instagram uh, and feel free to inbox me and if you are feeling so kind um, a 5 star review on Apple Play or uh, anything like that would be great as well so hit the subscribe button and you know, hopefully, we'll be able to keep making some awesome content. Anyways, once again, thanks, and I'll catch you all on the next one.